Welcome to another episode of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we're going to talk a little Colts and Titans with one of the biggest Colts fans that I know, Tarika Foster Brasby. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Mike? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You know, you know, you, you've been here before, so you know, going to kick your feet up and everything. You know, you've been in the lounge before. So we're chilling. Uh <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, of course, we're gonna get in the Colts and Titans talk, probably talk a little WMEA college basketball too. But uh before we do all of that, of course, I have to say this show is sponsored by Manscaped, manscaped.com. You can get 20% off at manscaped.com plus free shipping with the promo code AFC South manscaped.com go there you know hey you got somebody you want to get them a little gift for christmas manscaped.com save save money on me afc south there's a promo code manscaped.com okay i had to get that out the way but hey of course you know i also have to get do the get off your chest segment and of course i've been waiting a little bit for this one (sighs) frank wright he must have been watching some old school because you know of course he was uh channeling his inner frank the tank with this carolina panthers team the one and nine he was definitely trying to tank but also of course he didn't have a first round pick so you know you guess he was tanking for no reason but you know after the you know team continued in the wrong direction after a 17 10 loss the team decided to let him go and the frank Wright era has ended very very swiftly not even one year um, you know, he's been relieved of his duties along with Josh McCown, who, uh, for many who don't remember, he was almost the Houston Texans coach before people uh, remember that he'd never coached before and kind of called Houston Texans on it. So, and then also Deuce Staley was let go. He was the assistant coach and running backs coach, which I feel sad for him because, hey, Deuce has been the assistant coach in a couple different places and can't get that head coaching gig, which, which is unfortunate. Uh, interim head coach Tris, Chris Tabor and actually offensive special advisor Jim Caldwell were, were the ones who were responsible for, fi- for firing McCown and Staley. They were responsible for that. So, yeah, so, you know, that that all happened in one day. And of course, Tepper got up there and spoke and talked about, you know, C.J. Uh, Stroud and and uh, Bryce Young and boy, oh, boy, they, they should have kind of, you know, brought the rabbit up box because he was kind of digging this hole deeper and deeper. But anyway. The question I have is, why was he even hired to begin with? The people got to also remember this. Indy coached Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan. Never once did he ever develop a quarterback. So why did you bring him to Carolina to develop a quarterback? Because he's never done it as a head coach. Now, I will say, as an offensive coordinator, yeah, he's done some things. But as a head coach, he has never developed a quarterback. So this didn't make sense to begin with. And then the struggle with whose system it's going to be. Thomas Brown was brought in to bring in the L.A. Rams type of system. And then Frank Wright was like, no, no, we're going to run my system and you're going to call my plays. And then Frank Wright started calling the plays and he let it go to Thomas Brown. And it just was a whole mess. Probably should have never been hired to begin with. The, the guy that should have been the coach is coaching the defense for the 49ers right now. That would be Steve Wilkes. He should have never been let go. He should have been the coach. He actually established the culture again. But yet you toss him aside for Frank Wright, a guy who can't get it right with the Indianapolis Colts. Sure, they rotated quarterbacks every year, but he just couldn't get it right. So to me, Chevron never should have been hired to begin with. 
And I could say, hey, you know, maybe he goes back to the offensive coordinator role that he probably is destined for. You got any words to add to that, Tarika? I don't know if I agree if he should have never been hired because I don't think that Frank Wright is a terrible coach. I just think he keeps getting put in terrible situations. I'm not sure that he ever really wanted to work with Bryce Young. Kind of feel like he was on the C.J. Stroud train before the draft and may have been forced a bit to kind of take the Bryce route, uh, Bryce Young right route. And then when I think about him in Indy, I just feel like he, again, got the short end of the stick, with the exception of Carson Wentz. <clears throat> Excuse me. Carson Wentz, you got to take responsibility for, bro. Like, <laughs> you, you, that enough was, was the casualty that got you fired because there was no reason that you should have had to work with, cat. like, Carson Wentz should have never been a cult. That's just point blank and period. But I think he just got the short end of the stick. Carolina not going to be right for a while. But it is what it is. I hear you there, and you know, I, I kind of, I get it, I get it. I just, I don't know. I just don't think. I, I just think if they would have kept Steve Wilkes there, they can, they kind of could have kept establishing, establishing, bringing back, yeah. bringing back the 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 keep pounding culture that they established in the Sam Mills era. So just to me, that's where I kind of was like, we shouldn't have been I'm hired. I'm going to agree with people firing a coach like after a couple years. Like you got to give people – I agree with Steve Wilkes. Steve, Steve Wilkes could have stayed for sure. You just kind of – you can't – like Cle that was the thing with Cleveland too. Like you just can't keep firing mm -hmm. folks after a year or two years or three. Like you got to give them a chance to establish some give, – give them a chance to grow, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, hey – it is what it is. It is what it is for yeah. Frank. Yeah, Frank's still getting them checks. Them checks still clear. He's so. still getting them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I had to, had to talk on that one. But, of course, we are going to talk a little bit. Uh, before we get into the Colts, I do have to talk about something that I love to watch. That is the WNBA. Oh. I loved oh. watching the WNBA this year. I loved watching – the Sparks be a little bit more competitive this year. I was so happy that Derek Fisher was not the coach this year. I, I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. I was so happy he was not the coach. He when he when he did Candace Parker the way he did Candace Parker, I knew it was going to be a terrible regime under him. But I digress. We did get to see though. We were talked about the entire season of the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty, and we finally got to see it in the playoffs. And, you know, and the, when everything mattered and the Liberty just, you know, certain players just didn't show up. You know, most notably, I would say Sabrina Inescu kind of, you know, eh, you know, 17 points a game during the season, 9.8 points per game during the, the WNBA finals. I mean, was it something they were doing or was it just hurt? Yeah, it was something they was doing. It was called defense, and she ain't show up. That's what they was doing. <laughs> it was um that's that's what they was doing. She wasn't the only one who was MIA. Brianna Stewart was absolutely missing an action. We was like, where girl, did you you know you know we're in the finals, right? You know, like this is the part of the season where we need the MVP to play like the MVP. So um there was a lot going on, but what I can say is number one. 
this season was so historic in so many ways, um, especially given the amount of triple doubles that we were seeing, the stat line that Alyssa Thomas put up for the Connecticut Sun. Um, we really did get the kind of finals that everybody wanted to see from an on-the-court standpoint, but we also got the experience of what a WNBA final should be from an off-the-court standpoint. There were so many stars who were at all of the games, the halftime performances were out of this world. Um, we were in two of the biggest, most popular, most fun cities that we could ask for in New York and Las Vegas. So um, I think we all won in a way. Now you can't tell Liberty fans that they won because they, they still <laughs> feel away. You know, it's been two months and they still feel some type of way. But, <laughs> and, and Game four came down to a literal last second shot. Like it came down to the wire, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of like what you want um, when you're thinking about it in a championship game. Like that's what you want. So um, I love the, I loved everything about the buildup to this, um, the, the playoffs coming into this. Um, and I could see both of these teams attempting to compete for a while. I know that we're going to see Las Vegas like in this conversation, at least for another couple of years. As long as Asia Wilson is there, she's going to be all right. New York, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, they put this team together. We'll see what the free agency looks like. We'll see what the, you know, offseason looks like in terms of them making some moves to see who stays, who goes, who wants to return to run it back. Um, but there was definitely no shortage of entertainment in this finals this year. Yeah, definitely. I love the celebration of the Las Vegas Aces as well. And and the saltiness in the celebration. I love Ooh, that. Did Ooh, you see the shirt go? You see the, the shirt? Shade. Asia yes. had to pour on the shirt for the fourth place vote. Yo, I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I loved it. But you know, one of the things I, I didn't love is that my sparks didn't make the playoffs. You know, I was hurting. You know, uh they deserve better, I think. Jordan Canada. I, I became a, a huge fan of Jordan Canada this year. I just loved watching her play and develop and this the the heart she played with and the determination she played with. Is there any hope for my sparks? Can we can we get can we get Khalid Cop yeah. Copper to come on from Chicago to LA? Can can we do that, please? Can we please do that? You could try, you could try, you could hope, you could try, but I don't know. She she doing all right in Chicago. She ain't trying to leave right now. But what I can say is that I do think that um, your sparks are going to be on the right track. I mean, Kurt Miller definitely knows how to turn a program around. Honestly, injuries is what got LA this year. Um, injuries came at the most inopportune time, as they typically do. And um, they really are the reason that that LA team weren't further in the standings than they could have been. I think for them to have had to play um, with the roster that they had, they were very competitive. You always got a shot when you got Neka Agumake on the, on the court. Um, Jordan Canada was a serious um, most improved player candidate this year because of how she went from a training camp roster to literally being somebody who that team needed day in and day out. You're going to get Lexi Brown back. And she's also an amazing player with so much to, to prove to herself and to others um, at the point guard position. So 
Y'all are going, LA is going to be fine. Chanae was battling a foot injury. She's more than likely going to be healthier. So I think you guys will be fine. Um, I'm excited to see what LA is going to do next year. I'm excited to see this. I just think that the WNBA is just at a place where you really cannot, you really cannot make a determination at the beginning of the season. Because for real, for real, if you think about it, there were so many people who made a determination about Connecticut at the beginning of the last season because of everything that they lost and they end up being the third best team in the league. So, you know, you can't really look at, you know, what people put together in terms of a roster on paper because come May, whatever day it is that the season starts next year, it's zero zero and everybody got a shot. And I think with Kurt Miller at the helm, the sparks are going to be right there in the thick of it. Yeah, I certainly hope so. So I can, uh, you know, get my sparks Jersey, get my, uh, <laughs> Get my get my WNBA hoodie and just you be, see you, know, you see I got like, my Sparks jersey back here I got Slim jersey back here in this in this little container so okay. I need them to I need them to give me a reason to hang it up now. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just glad that Derek Fisher wasn't coaching the team, but I'm not gonna mention that no more. I'm just glad he wasn't coaching the team. But uh, <laughs> but you know, kind of skipping over it, you know, we're gonna I'm, I do have one thing I want to mention in college basketball in terms of women's college basketball. I was gonna talk about. Aziz Fudd being out for the year, which that's huge with Paige Buker coming back. Then now she's out for the year. It's kind of interesting there. Then you have South Carolina, and I was going to talk there. Let's talk Juju Watkins. Can we please talk about how talented that young woman is? Now, when I see LeBron James's son and then I think of Juju Watkins, my mind instantly goes back to one of my favorite movies. That would be love and basketball. Oh, God. it just does. It goes back to that, well, but it's kind of, but it's kind of flipped to me in a sense because the star, the star of stars, is in women college basketball on this one. To me, I mean, the star was technically Monica in love and basketball too. It just, you know, Quincy just yeah. kind of. Quincy just kind of was who he was because of who his daddy was, which essentially is the same in this situation. Like, I mean, for real. Um, no, in all seriousness, though, like Juju Watkins is like this freshman class is different, like really different. This freshman class is good and she's leading the way. Um, she's got USC at a place where they haven't been in a very long time since like Lisa Leslie was there. Um, so it's, it's, this is a program that has a storied history in women's basketball. This is where Cynthia Cooper ball. This is where the, you know, the McGee twins ball This is where Cheryl Miller ball, you know? Yes. So this is, there, there is a history of ballers that come mm -hmm. out of USC and she's certainly leaning into that. Um, I could see her winning the national player of the year. I mean, I'm not talking about national national freshman of the year because she could win that too. But I mean, she is legitimately to me in the national player of the year conversation as a freshman. She's really that good. So I, I am also very excited to continue to watch her play um, and just see, you know, how she continues to mature and develop um, as the season goes on. People don't realize college basketball is a long season for real. Very much. Very much. I, I couldn't do it. I, I applaud the people that do it. <laughs> Nah, but uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm excited, you know. Uh, of course, you know, everyone's got their jokes, Juju on the beat, but no, I, I, I'm not even gonna do that. Juju but, on uh, the beat, though, she on the beat, she on <laughs> what you ain't, yeah. and ain't nobody else on her beat but her. Okay, so <laughs> this is true, this is true, this is true. Well, you know, of course, I did want to mention, you know, some college basketball, some women's college basketball, and also 
some, you know, some some WNBA because I I do enjoy watching both, and you know, I want to you know show support for women's college basketball and the yeah. WNBA because I love watching them. And the thing I also want to tell people is, you know, men's ba- college basketball and the NBA is great, but if you want to see a game that's technically functionally sound, the WNBA. And women's college basketball is where it's at. And it's exciting, too. So don't it say it's really not exciting. Is. It's very exciting. And they talk trash, which I love the most. Give me give me Chelsea Gray. Give me because Chelsea what Gray. competitor don't? Because what competitor don't? I'm talking trash. I'm talking trash on the space table. You know what I'm saying? It don't even matter what we doing. There you go. I'm talking trash regardless. So if you know, if we talk <laughs> trash on a regular Tuesday, you know that the you know that you you know when they on the court, they it's it's going down. That's how it is. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And then you know, you gotta warm that shoulder up too in space. You know, when you throw down that big space, you know, so you, you know what I'm yeah. Saying? You yeah. see the flick of the wrist, you get the flick of the wrist, you gotta have that flick. No, nah, I come down <laughs> through the table. I just come oh come oh you big oh you big time. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're gonna get into the Colts on touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. A shift. A shift is something that happens and changes the dynamics. And that's what happened when Garrett Logistics was born. After 10 years as a sales pro in the logistics world of sporting goods, John Garrett decided to pivot to the world of freight and start a brokerage. So you're saying to yourself, why trust Garrett Logistics? Well, Garrett Logistics helps shippers improve overall workflow, along with increased on-time pickup and delivery percentages. Last-minute loads, multi-drop pickups, and more are part of the services with Garrett Logistics. They're available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., all times Central Standard Time. So give them a ring at 615-400-8484. That's 615-400-8484. Or you can email them at john at garrettlogistics.co or visit their website at garrettlogistics.co. Garrett Logistics, where the motto is, it's not just freight to us, it's your business. All right, and we are back on touring the AFC South. Of course, we do have to talk some AFC South things, and that would be the Indianapolis Colts. Now, before the season, everyone was not expecting them to be where they are, but lo and behold, everyone's talking about the Texans, but really, the Colts are actually the one in the seventh spot right now if the playoffs were to start today. Now, did you expect the Colts to be this competitive this soon this season? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you the one thing I did not have on my bingo card, and that is them absolutely being in this position right now. I mean, like you mentioned, if the playoffs started today, they're sitting in that seventh seed, and they've been able to do this without Anthony Richardson. They they're doing this with Gardner Minshew. So, yeah, that is um <coughs> excuse me, that is absolutely one thing I did not have on my bingo card this year. Yeah, it's definitely uh definitely interesting to uh see the Indianapolis Colts in playoff position and Gardner Minshew shimmying in the end zone. So that that's what's kind of throwing me off. I'm like, where did this shimmy come from? But anyway, I didn't even know this man had rhythm, Mike. Where did rhythm come from? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he watched a little Kevin Bacon Footloose and got thought he wanted to, wanted to, you know, wanted to kind of bring that to the team. So I don't That's know. Weird. But um, one thing that did also surprise me as well was the the release of Shaq Leonard. I didn't expect that to happen during the season. I thought maybe the off season because he kind of wasn't playing up to the level he was used to. But it happened right then and there. Bam! 
now he's on the verge of potentially signing with the Eagles or the Cowboys. So yeah. did you kind of expect this to happen during the season or how shocked were you that this happened right then um, and there? In all, in all honesty, I think I was a little bit surprised when he was let go, but I think I also understood and really the more that I think about it, I actually lightweight respect the decision. I mean, when you think about it, this man is a three-time first-team All-Pro. Um, he was really the cornerstone for Indy's defense, and he he was the captain, right? But unfortunately, injuries happen, and so for him, you could just see that he was continuing to decline from a skill set standpoint. Two back surgeries last year in 2022, never really seemed to find himself, never really was able to get back to that fearsome defensive threat that really made playing against this coast defense a daunting task. And so, you know, I think his playing time was already inconsistent. It got to a point where the team was just basically benching him and said that he was going to be inactive for the rest of the season. So I think instead of insulting this man as someone of his stature, um, they put him in a position where he could take his talent somewhere else, where he could be an effective part of some team, even if that wasn't going to be any. So I think they really gave him, some respect in in waving him i think the respect of allowing him to still you know finish this season on a team where he can be a contribution um i think that that was important so i actually respect it and honestly you know ronnie ronnie harrison jr is the player that replaced him he usually plays safety but he looked around out there he played in his first game he got an interception um, to start. So I think everything is going to work out just fine. But it does, as a Colts fan, kind of touch your heartstrings a little bit because you wanted Shaq Leonard to be a Colts fan. You, I mean, to be a, a to be a Colt for the entirety of his career. Everything that he's done in the community, everything that he had done, you know, for the city. He still gave out Thanksgiving turkeys hours after being waived. So when you got a good guy like that and a teammate like that, you kind of want to see him end his career there. But unfortunately, that's just didn't happen yeah yeah it was uh it was interesting to me it kind of threw me off guard but you know I, I totally understand that you don't want to pay him 16 million and still trying to figure things out next year um now of course we're going to slide over to the, the big game this sunday titans versus colts now that's the matchup now yeah. remember the first game moss went crazy that game. yeah he had 23 carries 165 yards and two touchdowns yeah now I'll say this, the Titans front line last game against the Carolina Panthers had four sacks, you know, two of those, Danico Autry, uh, and then Arden Key was pretty uh, pretty active as well. Does this defensive line concern you, the way they're active at home? Now, by the way, they are undefeated at home, and they're one of the, you know, with a few undefeated teams at home, and they're also a team that plays way better defensively at home. So does it kind of concern you just the activeness of this front line versus the Colts offensive line in this game? Absolutely not. And I am not saying that as a Colts fan. I'm saying that as I watched them play this active last week uncharacteristically against a one and nine team. And that plays that play some weight, right? Um, I do, however, think that there is an opportunity there for this Titans defensive line to really like make some noise. So as we're talking about Gardner Minshew, one thing I know is um, he's not really a, a quarterback that allows, like he's not a quarterback that causes teams to lose, but he is a quarterback that makes mistakes and he makes a lot of them. 
And I think that there's an opportunity there for this Titans defensive line to capitalize on the mistakes that he makes. Um, when you look at some of the sacks that he takes, like this isn't a person who, you know, like, like the Colts offensive line is decent enough to protect him long enough for him to get the ball in, in, in the air or to whatever receiver he needs to at whatever time. The problem is he prematurely leaves the pocket all the time. A lot of the times he's taking sacks because he's walking right into them. I think those are moments and opportunities that this Tennessee defensive line can set a tone. They can take advantage of his mishaps. They can take advantage of his missteps. And they can utilize that, especially being at home, especially being that they've played well at home as an opportunity to kind of build a bit of confidence there and kind of take Indianapolis off of their game. Um, because just line to line, you know, in the trenches, um, I do think that they're they're under they're they're undermatched against the off uh, the Colts' offensive line. But I, I just also feel like there are opportunities there that they can take advantage of that can really take the, that can take Indianapolis out of their game. Okay, we'll definitely we'll definitely see. I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, Arden Keys remembers the last game because after the game, I asked him about it, and he said, uh, "He said, man, we we owed him one." It's <laughs> basically what he said. So, uh, you know, going also, if they are able to hold up, you know, the Titans' defensive backs aren't necessarily uh, holding it down out there. So, you know, right, Michael right. Pittman and Josh Downs versus the Titans' uh, cornerbacks that could be uh, a little exciting. That's Very that much. is that is absolutely something that they're going to have to do. I think when you think about keys and things for this Tennessee team to kind of like feel that they are still in it or that they have a good shot. Um, again, obviously taking it, capitalizing on Minshew mistakes. That's what I call them, Minshew mistakes, because he you never know which Gardner you're going to get. You could get the Gardner that threw 400 yards and four touchdowns against Cleveland, or you can get whatever that mess was we saw against New England. So you don't know which one we're going to get. Um, but I, I do also think that another key piece for Tennessee is that they have to limit the big plays. Even when you're looking at how Indianapolis played against Tampa Bay. Um, there were some huge plays from Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman, to me, has a time. He has moments where he forgets that he's a wide receiver one. You know what I mean? He has moments where he forget he's that guy. And even in that matchup, major, even though he and Josh Downs had the same amount of targets, they had 13 targets in that matchup, it was Josh Downs that had almost 100 yards in that game. And that, mm -hmm. you know, is just simply the mindset and the capitalization off who's guarding you. On the opposite side of that, our secondary ain't scrubs, but DeAndre Hopkins is a problem. You know what I mean? Like DeAndre Hopkins is a real problem. And you could see how our secondary handles playing star receivers just by how they were unable to really get a grip on Mike Evans. Like it's just, it just is what it is. It's Mike Evans. Like I'm, Kenny Moore's great, but Kenny Moore ain't as quick as he needs to be in order to try to hold down a player like Mike Evans, I see those same similarities in a player like DeAndre Hopkins. So what it comes down to, to me, is I, I think the biggest thing, and, and maybe you were going to ask this, so I'm probably talking too much and I'm, I apologize. Go right I'm ahead. Stealing your question. But I think it really ultimately comes down to Will Levis. Mm -hmm. um, and, and and just for me, I, I know that when these two teams met the first time, it was Ryan Tannehill. And to me, that's the biggest difference. Um, it's, it's whether or not Ryan, I mean, Will Levis um, is, is able to really take advantage 
of 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 the opportunity to show that he is the guy that Tennessee expected him to be when they selected him. He uses his legs better than Tannehill, that's for sure. I think he's starting to level off a little bit more um, in his understanding of his team and being a bit more comfortable under center. But his performance is absolutely going to be key and on whether or not they're able to pose a threat to Indianapolis. He's going to have to be solid in all three phases, in the short game, in the long game, in the deep threat game. He's going to have to be, you could see him and DeAndre Hopkins starting to connect more last week against um, – against Carolina. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be the person to have to make plays. He's going to have to, he's going to be forced to make plays. And if he's able to do that, Tennessee got a real shot at home for real. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting. And then what's also going to be interesting is the Tennessee offensive line versus the Panthers D line, which, you know, of course the left tackle spot has been interesting for the Tennessee Titans this year. So yep. you start off with Andre Diller. Now it's Dylan Ravens and, it's been interesting. And then, of course, you now Nicholas Petit Ferrer was suspended for the first few games, then came back and then yep. hurt his shoulder. Now he's out for the season. So, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be an interesting game. But speaking of games, we have a game to kind of close out the show. Five questions, two answers, and one choice. Are you ready? Oh, God. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. You got one. You got one concert to go to. Okay. Are you going to the Kendrick Lamar concert or the J. Cole concert? Oh, that's not fair. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm probably going to go to the J. Cole concert. Okay. All right. Um, Let's see. Let's see. HBCU. Now, you went to HBCU. So, uh, are you there for the band or are you there for the game? Oh, my God. I went to an HBCU and I was a bandsman. I am there for the band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes. all right. Now I'm going I'm going a little old school RB, you know, 90s RB. Okay. We got Jeanne, hey Mr. DJ, or okay. Jay, don't walk away. Which song are you picking between Ooh, those two? Oh, fun. Okay. <laughs> here's a here's a quick tip. My sister's name is Dijane, and I named her after the group Jeanne. Yes, I named my mom let me name her, and I named her after <laughs> the group Jeanne. So I'm definitely taking Jeanne, hey Mr. DJ. Okay. All right. All right. I thought I thought I may have you had to think about that one, but the next one you might have to think about. Okay. All right. We're going. We're going. Uh, we're going point guards in the early days of the WNBA. Don Staley or Teaspoon? Which point guard are you taking? Oh, you about to get me unfriended on every platform <laughs> from everything. I cannot win in this situation. Wow. <laughs> Oh man, Dawn Staley or Teaspoon? Oh, for those that aren't aware, this is Teresa Weatherspoon. Here, Teresa Weatherspoon, right? Okay, mm, mm, I might take Dawn Staley. Don't unfriend me, Spoon. <laughs> okay. All right, and the last one. Okay, you got to cheer for one team. Are you cheering for the Patriots? Or are you cheering for the Titans? What? <laughs> oh god okay i i quit <laughs> i quit oh. um that is that is that is wild i am probably i'm probably gonna just quit but if if quitting is not an option 
I would probably take the Titans. I can't, I cannot. There is nothing you can do on this earth that can make me cheer for the Patriots. I cannot. So that will probably, I would probably take the Titans over, over the Patriots. And by take the Titans, I mean, and that's all I got for you. <laughs> all right. Five questions, two answers, and one choice is over. You're off the hot seat. And that's the end of the show. I want to thank you for coming on. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, uh, you know, and what all you were working on as well? Absolutely. Um, first off, thanks again for having me. I had a lot of fun. Um, definitely got to come back. But um, you can find me on Twitter at She Knows Sports. I'm also on Instagram at She Knows Sports underscore. Or you can follow me on Facebook if you're still on Facebook at She Knows Sports Media. I'm everywhere. <laughs> All right. And for me, I'm the host of Touring the ASC South. You can find me on uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Uh, artist formerly known as Twitter. There we go. That's why. That's what I call it. You know, I'm kind of the uh, the uh, you know an ode to Prince. But, uh, you know, you can find me on there at MikePatton82. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-T-O-N-82. Uh, of course, you can find me on Instagram and threads as the, that's T-H-A, not T-H-E, underscore general, underscore N-P. And, of course, you can find Touring the ASC South on all listening platforms. That'd be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, YouTube as well. You can watch the show and watch the replay if you didn't catch it at first. But uh, definitely check out Touring the ASC South. Thank you all for tuning in. We're out. Peace.